Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And the Spirit of the Lord is here this morning. He's not just here in this school hall, but He's here in your life, in your midst. And there is freedom and there is a liberty for you to walk in, for you to live in. This is a word for some people this morning. This is a defining moment in your walk with God. To start to walk in a freedom and a liberty that comes with His presence as we invite Him into our world, as we invite Him into our lives. Lord, we love to walk in steps of grace with You. Lord, we take off our heavy burden. We take off our bondage and we carry Your yoke and Your burdens. They're easy and light. We walk with You, Lord, and we experience Your freedom and Your liberty, Your love and Your peace. It surpasses all our understanding. We've strived and we've, we've fought and we've pushed to no avail. But Lord, we just decide this morning, we decide here and now to carry your, your, your yoke for it's easy. Your burden is light. We walk in your fullness of your freedom and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for that overflowing anointing that is poured out upon us. We heard from Dan last week that, that anointing oil being poured out on King David is being poured out on us. It's being poured out on you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Every area of our life is open to you, Lord. Walk in your fullness of joy, freedom and liberty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us this morning. You are too good. We love you. We worship you. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? What an amazing time in the presence of God this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you to the team. Anyone not here last week? How good is it to be back? Isn't it? Welcome back, Robbie. Looking very Christmassy this morning. <laughs> I love that message last week, and if you didn't hear it, you need to jump on your church app, which you will all have downloaded onto your smartphone by now, and you can listen to it anytime you like. And uh, it was a great message about being filled with the anointing of God. Hello, Jacinta. How are you? You're looking very nice this morning, fresh. And uh, I, I love the fact that we can go back and look at uh, messages because often God speaks to us in this environment on a service at a gathering point and then we leave and we come back again and, the, and I reminded you just then what was preached last Sunday, you'd completely forgotten. And um, just to come back into that place with God where uh, His voice is heard and remembered do you know what I mean? Like he can speak to us and sometimes as impacting as the God of all creation is speaking to us and completely change, change we feel in the moment, it's so quickly to get, it's so quick we can get out of that moment, isn't it? We can just forget and walk away. But um, I pray that you'll be changed by that word last week and every word for that matter. And um, leading into that, we're just going to pray right now that this is a life-changing word for you. 
This is actually going to be a word that uh, I hope, and actually you can probably decide in your heart right now that you will not be offended. Can you do that for me? Can you just decide? Yeah, I'm not, not offense, maybe guilt. You know, sometimes we get, we get preached at and we get a sense, sometimes, it's, not, it's not deliberate, but you know, the, we can fall into this place of guilt, like you're not living up to a certain mark. And I don't want you to be in that place this morning. You could definitely hear it, what I'm going to say in that, that way, if you choose to. But make a decision now that I'm not going to respond out of guilt this morning. I'm open to the, my ears are open to the, to the voice of God, to the encourager, to the counselor, to the one that's going to help me. Okay, you with me? Lord, we just thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your written word. Our hearts are open to you, God. It's good soil. So sow your seed in here. Sow your seed in here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. I want to give you one of the greatest tools the Lord has given us in our Christian walk. This tool, if we get a, a handle on it, will make or break us. This, this, if, if we know how to use this tool and we operate with this tool, this is the key to your Christian walk. You interested? You know what it is. It's, it's the, the key of prayer. I'm going to look at prayer this morning and how of a, a topic that is just, you know, talked about all the time. We just refer to it all the time. But, um, but sadly, it's not really uh, all that evident a lot of the time in our lives. So this is a reminding message this morning of the importance of prayer and what it actually, I mean, think about what prayer is. Prayer is the link between us and heaven. Prayer is the link that, that God has given us, the tool that he has given us to reach out and touch things that there's no way we could have ever touched before, to experience and explore the things of God through this tool of prayer. It's the, one of the most important tools in our Christian walk, so much so that the world outside of God, the world has sort of understood this a bit or sort of seen a glimpse of it and have tried to create their own prayer life. Have you noticed this? It's becoming more and more popular that people are just uh, praying to the universe or people are just putting their thoughts and their intentions, their, and they're putting words to it sometimes, and they're just putting it out there, aren't they? It's becoming more and more popular. It's really just the shadow of what the Lord introduced for his people and the connection that he has with us. And, and really, that's what's today's society, that's all we see. We see this rise of anti-Christ, but it's really all of the facets of other people's agendas really are just a reflection of the tools that Christ has given to us. And um, prayer is one of the great ones. Listen to this in, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Hey, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Do you hear that? Then you will experience God's peace 
which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. Prayer is not just a, a tool that we use to access things of God, but it actually is, this scripture telling us, it's something that can de-stress your life. I mean, today's society is a lot of stress in our lives. And prayer is given to us to be able to let that anxiety go. Pretty cool. Pretty cool tool. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. So why pray? I've told you a couple of little snippets there, but I wrote down two answers to the question of why do we pray? Why pray? These are the answers I've written down. You may come up with your own. But one, I believe it's to gain access into the most powerful, powerful dimension where the resources are endless. This is one of the reasons why we should pray. Because it is gaining us access into a realm, into a dimension where the resources are endless and the power is incredible. Psalm 2, 8 says this, Ask of me and I will give you the nations. He wants to give us the nations, but the tool he has given us to access the nations is for us to ask him. It's this tool of prayer. This is why we should pray. And also, number two, my answer, confirms our reliance on God. And it keeps the perspective that God is God. This is another reason why he's given us prayer. This is why we should pray. Because every time we pray, we are declaring, God, I need you. I need you to come. I can't do it. I need you. Every time we pray, we are praying to this supreme being because we are not good enough. We are not strong enough. And that's why we pray, to remind us of who God is and who we are. So if that's why we pray, I want to give you the two reasons why people don't pray. Two reasons people don't pray, I believe. The first one is this, unbelief. Unbelief. Is it even going to work? You know, you with me? Because sometimes I've prayed and it didn't work. Sometimes I haven't prayed and it worked anyway. You hear me? Like it's not like it's this equation that seems to, to work out every time. And the more we see of this evidence of it not working, inverted commas, the less faith and trust we have in praying. And I believe one of the reasons why, as Christians, we don't pray as much as we would love to. Honestly, I believe that we would all, you all, would love to pray more. You wish you prayed more. We all do. I do. But one of the things subconsciously, I believe, is this sense of, is it going to work anyway? 
That's why there's so much strength in our testimony. That's why we need to reaffirm all the time answered prayer. We need to get it out there. We need to hear of it. Linda was telling me last week of her answered prayer of a job, which is great. And this, a few weeks ago, we prayed for people to receive employment. And, and Linda, that weekend, respond, oh, the, on Monday, I think it was, when she went back to her current job, something opened up for her. Steve Poucher was the same. He's not here this morning with, with Merle. And, and that was just one that came to mind. But there's, there's so many things that we pray for. And even when the answers do come long way down the track, we've forgotten that we've prayed for them. And so it's not really in our mind, a fresh equation of we prayed and we got this. You know, but we need to remember that God, all of the promises of God are yes and amen, and he will respond to our prayers. We just need to remind each other of this. I'm here to remind you of that this morning. So one, reasons why we don't pray, unbelief. The second reason I believe we don't pray is pride. Pride. Think about it. I've got this one. I can handle this one. This one I don't need to pray for. It's all right. I've got it. Got it covered. I don't need God's help on this one. I can sort this one out myself. Has anyone said that to themselves? Like even Subconsciously, we do it all the time. I've got this one. I can handle this. So someone's asked you, how are you going with that? Oh, and, and, and you're... You're stressing about it or there's something heavy, there's a mountain in front of you. Yet often prayer is the thing we don't do because we just think we have to do something. We can handle it. We've got to, I don't even have time to stop and pray. By the way, I, I, I didn't say busyness was one of the reasons why we don't pray. Even though we'd love to think it was. You know, we use that term all the time, that response. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Like, I mean, how long have we been saying this for? And I don't think it's a legitimate reason why we don't pray. I don't think busyness has anything to do with prayer. I mean, I'm as busy as I've ever been right now. Like, honestly. And I'm, my prayer life is probably better than it's ever been before. I'm not convinced that busyness robs us of our prayer life. I believe pride robs us of our prayer life. Because we think in our busyness we can get stuff done that really God is just wanting us to get in touch with him and reach out and get this perspective of who we are and who he is and this loving father that just wants to lavish good gifts out to us. You with me this morning? Prayer. If I was to hop up here and say, how's your prayer life going? You sort of shrink. You hate that question, don't you? You're sort of like, oh, it's not as good as it should be, I know. Here's a refreshing thought. That prayer isn't just verbal communication to God. I believe prayer time is better reflected in just this sense of being with God. Being in the same place as God. It involves you speaking sometimes. It involves you not speaking sometimes. Some people's prayer lives only has their voice in it. But there's quietness in prayer time. There's just sitting where nothing is said, nothing is thought. Men, you know, those that came to our marriage uh, enrichment nights, this is time you can go to your nothing box sometimes. And the girls that were there know what I'm talking about. Everyone else doesn't know what I'm talking about. 
And it's refreshing to think because we think of the thought of I haven't asked God for enough. I haven't verbalized my prayers enough. But hold on. If we can just change this concept of this one-way side of prayer to just being with God, this is a lot more easy to take, isn't it? This is, I mean, you've been with God this morning in this worship time, in this moment right now when your scriptures are open and your mind is open. You're with God. This is prayer time. This is quiet time with him. And you can have these throughout your week. But I love the overwhelming picture that Jesus paints about prayer time and quiet time when he uses the graphic picture in our minds of God the Father and he's the Son. And he says, hey, come to me like a child. This analogy of the way that we come to God, the way we spend time with God, the way we pray to God should be like a child to a heavenly father. Right? Matthew 18, 1 to 4 says this. Stay where you are in Acts 10. The greatest in the kingdom, this is titled. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of, all, of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, put the child among them, and said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Kids just seem to be able to ask for stuff all the time. They're just nonstop asking for stuff. Whether you've got a kid in your house or not, you can understand. You've seen this. Kids seem to be able to ask for things all the time, even though a lot of the time the answer might be no. It doesn't deter them from asking again and again and again. And just keep on asking. I believe this is one of the childlike methods of our prayer. Where we just ask. Where we just, hey dad, can I have this? We just ask. They don't seem to rationalize anything in the moment, do they? They don't seem to think, I don't think he's going to say yes to this. Uh, how can I ask in another way? I mean, when they get a bit older, they get a bit like that. But when they're young, they're just like, hey, can I have that chocolate? Can I have this? Can I have that? And, and they haven't thought ahead yet of what the answer's going to be like. It just seems to roll off their tongue really easy. Can I have? Can I have? Can I have? And Jesus is giving us an insight into how we should pray. Do it like a little child would. A parent's responsibility is to answer that question in the right way and what will be most suitable for that child, right? That's the parent's responsibility. A child will just ask and ask and ask and ask. It's up to the parent, a responsible parent, to answer in the best way for the best intentions of that child. You with me? Let me give you an example. Ella. 
or my girls, but especially Ella, she loves doing homework. And this question comes yelling out uh, around our lounge room all the time. Dad, can you help me with this question? Dad, can you help me? As any father would do, what's my response? Sure. No, it's not ask your mother. Sure. Because here's a little insight. Fathers love to be asked, can they help their child? They love that question. Our Heavenly Father's no different. He loves it when we ask, can you help me with this? So anyway, Ella, often it's homework time. Dad, can you help me with this question? Sure, Dal, what is it? I don't say Dal, I don't know where that came from. Sure, honey, what, what's the question? And let's just say it's a mathematical question. And it's say it's, okay, it's, the question is, what's 427 times 156? Any mathematicians here? Some, if Ben was here, he'd be able to have he'd tune out for the rest of his message, and he'd just be thinking about that equation. And my response as a father could be, "Hold on, what were those numbers again?" Answers two thousand one, blah blah blah. I don't know. You know that could be my response, and it has been in some times when I've been too busy. But the best response is what? Okay, so how do we do that? What do, what do you do? You know, show me what you do on the paper. Like, I know how to work that out, not just on a calculator. Like, I remember how to do that. But a loving parent, wouldn't they? Like, a caring parent wants the best for their child. It's up to them to decide how they respond. Often it's not just the answer is the best response because the kid hasn't learned anything, am I right? But we're addicted to this prayer life that gets instant answers, aren't we? Where God is the ultimate loving Father, and He wants us to be developed in our abilities more than just wants to give us the answer often. So, okay, so you do that, and then you write this line under there, then you put a zero here, and you times these ones, and and then after that, you add them all up. Remember these ones? That's how God often answers our prayers. We want a quick fix, but God loves to develop us. He loves to develop us so that we know how to get to that answer ourselves the next time. But get this. Once we know how to get that answer the next time, we fall into this trap of not needing to pray. You hear me? So there's always this tension in our relationship with God. He can provide us everything we need. But often he wants to show us how to get there ourselves. He wants to work with us to get us to develop us to be uh, more mature, with more wisdom and understanding. That's his goal is to develop us. But he knows the risk of doing that is, hey, they might not come to me again and ask me for help again until their pastor stands up and reminds them how important prayer life is in just coming into the presence of God. Because if he has developed you so that you don't need to ask him about a certain issue in your life, you got that down now, he wants to take you on to something else where you are going to need to ask for help. If you find that you have no need in your life to ask for help, 
I challenge you whether you're living to the fullness that God wants you to live in. Because he is desperately wanting to spend time with you and desperately wanting to grow you. But still desperately wanting to spend time with you. You hear me? We're almost at the scripture. This is weird because normally you'd read a scripture and you'd preach from it. I'm preaching and then we're going to look at the scripture a bit later. Coming into my final point, my final thought. And this is what I see people lack in their lives. Again, not, I want you to feel guilty. I want you to be inspired and motivated this morning to put things into your life. And here's my final thought. Final key is that I believe people need a routine time with God. A routine time with God. We don't like this. We don't like routine time with God. We don't like rules. We don't like how. Remember last week I spoke about um, how Jesus liked to break the rules and stress the rules, but then he introduced the rules and we had communion because he said, do this when you come together. So there's some, some habits are good. And this is another good habit, that we have a routine time with God every day. I should be able to say, what time do you meet with God? And you should be able to respond to me, what time it is that you meet with God. God had that with Adam, didn't he? He walked in the cool, he walked with him in the cool of the evening. That was their time. We all should have a time with God. My prayer life this week has gone up a notch, right? Now, just to fill you in a little bit, I'm not going to give you the detail. I'm doing some um, fasting at the moment. One of the things I'm fasting for is our church building. We've been, if you haven't, not on our Facebook page, you should be because you'd be up to date, Southland Church. But uh, if you're not up to date with that, we, we've heard from council. We had a response last week that this week was they were going to finalize all of their assessment. So I'm going to get a great phone call or email this week. So I'm fasting. I'm leading up to that. Right? I'm pressing in for that. I want to encourage you to do that with me, praying for favor. And, um, and there's other things that I'm praying for at the moment too, which I'm not going to tell you about. But there's the, a, a desperation has come up in my prayer life this week. Uh, a, a focus and a, a determination has gone to another level in my prayer life this week. But hear this, my routine time with God has not changed. I have not added in more time. I can't. I'm too busy. I just told you at the start. Busy as I've ever been. So I don't have a spare half an hour somewhere else in my day to have another quiet time with God. My quiet time with God hasn't changed. I get up, let me tell you my routine. My alarm goes off 6 o'clock every morning. For those people that don't wake up at the same time every morning, honestly, you're trying to fight a fight with one arm behind your back. Get up at the same time every morning. Get some routine in your life. Anyway, I go downstairs, I make a cup of coffee, Cassia sits up in bed, she has a quiet time in bed, I have my quiet time down the lounge room for about half an hour. I'm sipping a coffee and I'm reading the Word, I'm reading my Word for today, which is free up the back there. I'm thinking sometimes I go in and out of my nothing box, but sometimes I'm praying, I'm praying for the Word. But in this half an hour every morning, this week I've gone up and notching my determination, my desperation, my focus. But at the end of that half an hour, I've got to get to work, seriously. Like it's reality, right? 
I can't, I'm not going to say to you, hey, you should spend hours in that, that place because really that's not feasible, right? So I've got to go to work. But while I'm at work, my mind sometimes just goes back to that quiet time of the morning. My mind sometimes, and I just say yes and amen again to the prayers that I prayed that morning. You hear me? I don't even have time to stop and pray long-winded prayers during the day, but it comes back to my, oh, yes, God, I'm believing that. Thank you. And I'll just keep going. And, and, and this, and, and our, our, it's all birthed around, it's all built around a routine time with God that I have. Now, let me just say, many times, my time with the Lord in the morning, I, I, I walk away from that, I was like, what was that? I got nothing from that. And, you know, I might have read a nice scripture. I might have been encouraged. But you asked me what I read 10 minutes later. I got no idea. You know, I, sometimes I spend too much time on a nothing box. Sometimes I found myself drifted back off to sleep. It's okay. It's fine. Because I've now, for the last probably 20 years, had this routine time with God every morning. That I know, that's all right. They come and go, those good times. But I'll be here again tomorrow morning, Lord, and I'll meet you then. So let me encourage you. Book in a routine time in your daily routine. Hold on, Kev. Thank you, mate. I know, I know what you're doing there, but, but I've still got a bit to say, and I don't want you to have tired legs. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole chapter. This is why I didn't grab you yet, mate. It's a long, lot, lot of reading. You're going to have this up on the screen, Dan, for me? The whole, all of Acts, Acts chapter 10. Anyone read the word for today, yesterday? Cornelius. Peter and Cornelius. One. Okay. Great. This is that story. I'll take it a different spin from the word for today, but... Um, it's the same story. So let me, let me give you the background where we are in history. Jesus has just died, risen, gone back to heaven. And the disciples have been sent out and the early church has been birthed. It's exciting. There's expansion everywhere. But as far as Peter's concerned, the message of the grace of Jesus is still contained within the Jews. Okay? He hasn't been sent yet. We've seen the rise of Paul and Paul has had his conversion. And Paul has had his, his um, command. There's a lot of people yawning in here this morning. You with me? I'm only at 10 more minutes. Thank you. And, and, but the, the Gentiles have not yet been reached. And here is Peter, one of the key apostles, St. Peter. You may have heard of his name then. Um, being challenged by God uh, of a turning point in his life that it's not just for the Jews, for the Gentiles. Exciting. It's exciting. Exciting for us. Let's read it. Verse chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. Remember, he was not a Jew, right? He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly. Say, prayed regularly. Come on. He prayed 
regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Oh, I wish we had another hour. I'd love to stop and talk about that. Our gifts to the poor have been received by God? That's cool. Where'd we get to? Verse 5. Now some, now some men, now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. This is the angel speaking to Cornelius. Summon Peter. He's staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. And this was about noon. Okay, Cornelius prayed at three. Peter's praying at noon. He was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He went into his nothing box. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice said again, second time, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. How many? Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men who were sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked the man Simon, uh, they asked if the man Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. You with me? We're halfway through. Stick with me. So Peter went down and said to them, I am the man you are looking for. Why have you come? And they said, We were sent here by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day they went, he, they went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his house, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter the, the, a Gentile home like this or associate with you. But God has shown me 
that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I, as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, why have you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house. About this same time, three o'clock in uh, about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Let me just repeat that line. It's I didn't make it clear, but it's very important. Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. He remembered what time it was that he was praying four days ago. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes standing in front of me. And he told me, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. Your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa. Summon a man, Simon Peter. He is staying in the house of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent sent for you at once, and it is good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Shall I read on? Yep, okay. Then Peter replied, I've seen very clearly that God shows no favoritisms. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John preached, uh, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, and God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and testify that Jesus is the one anointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Amen. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to this message The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay there for a few days. Awesome story. Very cool story. The start of a Jewish man with the mandate to preach the gospel going to the rest of the world, going to you and I, bringing this message of hope and deliverance. Very cool story. I could have stopped 
that start of the first paragraph because that's really where I wanted to make my point from. But I just wanted to read that story out because it's so cool. Cornelius, non-Jewish man, yet had a routine time when he prayed with God. Three o'clock in the afternoon. I could not do that, by the way. No way could I spend time with the Lord quietly at three o'clock in the afternoon. Three o'clock in the afternoon is chaotic. But Cornelius, that worked for him. He met with God three o'clock. Peter met with God 12 o'clock, noon, on the rooftop. His routine time with God. Different to Cornelius, different to mine, different to Adam in the garden. But that was his time when he met with God. Two men with regular meeting times with God who did it faithfully. One was given part of the vision. One was given the mandate to deliver the message. I want to be used by God. But this story shows me the importance of having a routine time with God because it's in the routine time with God they received the vision, they received the message, they received the, you know, their empowerment, what they're supposed to be doing. How do we function without a routine time with God? I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to function. I want to encourage you all to, to build it into your daily routine. Time with God, even if you start with just 10 minutes, even if you just start with a word for today and you read that paragraph and you put it away, even if you, you but then, then you can build it and you, you know, you can grow in all this. But routine time with God, and it will be different for each and every one of us. Some it works at night, not me, I'd fall asleep. I go do it first thing in the morning with a coffee in my hand so I don't fall asleep. Cornelius was 3 o'clock. Peter was 12 o'clock. What time do you work well with God? Prioritize that time. It's where God will often bring you vision and hope. He will bring you answered prayer. He will bring you, he will bring the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled this room when these these two visions came together, these two faithful praying men came together. The Holy Spirit filled the room. And the message was given to the Gentiles. Like Dan preached about being anointed with God. How the heck do we get anointed with God if we don't have a routine quiet time with Him? I don't know. Maybe you're different from me. But let me just give you this advice after years and years of, of doing this thing. Get a routine time with God in your life. Life's only going to keep getting busy. Busy, busy, busy. Amen. We're going to have a prayer time right now. We're going to take about three minutes. Three minutes. Um, Dan, have you got a countdown that we can put up there? A three-minute countdown. And when this countdown is finished, uh, no one's going to hop back up here and say that's the end. That is the end, okay? And you're free to go and get a cup of coffee. But for three minutes, we're going to sit in quiet, just with um, these guys playing. And you're going to have a prayer time with God. Now, you're not going to just go to your nothing box, men. Because we do that in church all the time. Sometimes when the music's in between songs and there's no lyrics up there on the screen and we just go into that coma place, don't we? We're just like in a trance. 
sometimes, but often they're the times that the Holy Spirit is most active and He's wanting to engage with you. And that's what's going to happen right now. And you're going to pray. If you don't know how to pray well and you're just caught in this moment thinking, this three minutes has taken a long time. I want you, I'll give you something to pray about. Think of the mountain that's in front of you right now, the hard thing, the thing you're faced with right now. And you're going to ask your Father in heaven for help. He's going to come running. He loves it when you ask him for help. That's one thing. You can do that for the first minute if you like. Another thing you could do is just thank him for something he's done for you this week. Thank him for your family. You could do that. Drop a, drop a hat, you could do that. And three, you're going to ask that he empowers you, anoints you, like David was poured over with the anointing of God. There's three things. I can give you a list of a thousand things to pray for. I just don't want you to go into that nothing place. And we're going to start this three minutes, and at the end of it, this service is finished. But pray to God, spend some time with God. If you don't have this in your day, do this. Go home, write it, set your alarm, and just do this again. It's easy. Don't neglect this part of our Christian walk anymore, okay? Amen. Have a great week. Let's spend three minutes just praying to the Lord.